open, off and Skyly Sensory stayed in the gate. There's Bo Rogue being set alight immediately by Cyril Small and racing to the lead. But Bo Rogue won't give up, he's still in front. Groucho's grabbing him now. Groucho coming at Bo Rogue, don't play, getting a rails run. Bo Rogue in front, he's got a heart as big as himself. He'll win, Bo Rogue! Bo Rogue has cracked it at last. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. Trainers strive to have horses spot on for race day. Fuel cells up, the right mental state, the right fitness levels. Equally important is the horse's capacity to recover quickly from racing and track work. The aim is to give owners every opportunity to win optimum prize money by keeping a horse in training for as long as possible. High Gain Recuperate is a powerful blend of electrolytes, B-group vitamins and vitamin E in paste form which can be administered after fast work and in the days leading up to a race to assist recovery. 30 mil of Recuperate drawn from the 500 mil bulk pack is the economical alternative to individual electrolyte and vitamin paste syringes. High Gain Recuperate powers performance and recovery. Visit the High Gain website and use promo code johntap.racing to receive 15% off your next Recuperate purchase. Popular Victorian jockey Dean Yendel was on the crest of a wave when a Tarang racefall just before Christmas stopped him in his tracks. He'd ridden 48 Victorian winners since the beginning of the new season. Dean had a fillies and mares maiden all wrapped up on saintly rows when his mount ducked in without warning, leaving her jockey airborne. To use a hackneyed phrase when it comes to race falls, Dean landed badly and he feared the worst. After being assessed by paramedics on course, he was airlifted to the Alfred Hospital in Melbourne where fractures to the C2 and C3 vertebrae were identified. No surgery was required, but he still has 10 weeks to go in a cumbersome neck brace, a life sentence to a bloke who loves work and can't sit still for a minute. That work ethic and his willingness to ride at race meetings all over the state are the reasons this man has a career winner tally of a staggering 2,606 at the time of his accident. I had to wait until he was laid up uh, to keep him still long enough to talk to me on the podcast. And I hope that neck brace, Dean, doesn't get in the way of your mobile phone. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks, John. How are you, mate? Well, I'm good, mate. I'm better than you, obviously, but I'm delighted that no surgery was required. That's half the battle. And you're pain-free, you tell me, most of the time. Majority uh, the first... First waking up in the morning, and I got really stiff through that area. But um, mm. I seem to warm up like an old racehorse once I've got around a bit and uh, had a, a bit of a feed in the belly, some warm, warm, uh, hot coffee, and mm. and uh, to get me going start of the day. So mm. uh, not really on any, any painkillers, just chuck a couple of Panadol down the throat. Been waking up like three, four in the morning, and mm. I'm just waking up on the hot side of things with this brace on. It's hard to keep, hard, hard to keep uh, stable there for a while. You sort of stiffen up if you're laying in one spot for, for mm. a while. So trying to toss and turns, pretty unpredictable. Yes, yeah. 
Well, you're at least able to walk and to keep yeah. the fitness levels ticking over. I think you get out most days. In fact, you walk, don't you, while your eight-year-old daughter, Mia, rides yeah. her bike. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, with the dog in tow, so, yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, I, I, like, I like doing my walking. Uh, yeah, as you said, I'm hate, hate. I'm not one that likes to sit around and uh, mm. sit on the couch and be a couch potato. I've always been active. You know, I love getting out, so, yeah, I hate sitting around doing nothing, but... Mm. In this summer heat, um, I can't go out there. I just melt. So yeah, <laughs> I get Christine to wipe me down <laughs> like an old race, like an old racehorse with a with a uh, yeah. scrub, a sponge bath, sponge bath. <laughs> you know, many of our listeners will be surprised to learn now that you've mentioned the heat that you live in Horsham in the Wimmera. You're about three hundred kilometres from Melbourne. You've been there for a lot of years now, Dean. Yeah, we have, yeah, I have, yes. Mm. Yeah, 20-odd, yeah. How does Horsham work out as a home base when you <laughs> are riding? You, you seem to be at a race meeting most days. Yeah, I don't really think it matters where you live these days, Johnny. It's, uh, mm. We always send travel. Like, um, yeah, I don't do as far as – I go as far as Cranbourne, but in, in saying that, uh, those guys that live over that side, you know, they don't do this – the um, areas that I do, like, um, you know, in the northern districts there up there, Mildura, they wouldn't go there, be too far from No, exactly. It uh, doesn't matter where you're located. Like, Warrnambool's two and a half hours, Ballarat's two hours, Ararat's an hour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, city tracks are all within three and a half hours. Mm. So, you know, as I said, it doesn't matter where you really live. Um, you still got to do the miles to get the rides. Yes, oh, of course. So, days, everyone's... Chasing their tails, trying to make a living. Mm. By your own admission, uh, you were a slow starter. Now, you yep. were originally indentured to Ken Sweeney at that historic little town of Gerildery in the Riverina. Ken had a pretty big stable by country standards in those days. Yeah, he did. I think he had like 60 horses there at the time. Goodness me. Yeah, <laughs> it was a heap of horses for, for like a, yeah, back in the day then. Mm. No jockey forgets his first winner. And your magic moment came in June of 1990 when you won a Class 5 race for Ken on Leinster at Narandra. Yeah, that was right, yeah. Um, I can actually remember the uh, the owner's name was Sally. I can't recall her, her surname at the moment, but, um, mm. yeah, she's a lovely old lady and, uh, he was a great old horse. You know, he was one just go to the front and keep running, mm. catching and sort of style horse. Um, and then when I progressed from me riding a couple more years later, he still I still was able to ride in a similar fashion. And mm. you know, yeah, he was a great old campaigner. You won a couple of cup races on him, Dean. You won a Corowa Winter Cup yeah. and also a Narandra Cup. Yeah, yeah, he had a few wins on him, so he was a good old horse back in the day. Mm. Yeah. You spent the first three years of your apprenticeship with Ken Sweeney, but you moved back to Victoria for the last two years with a trainer called Peter Gray at Kilmore. Yep, that was him. Uh, eventually, um, he Peter moved to Ararat later later on. Uh, sort of this, oh, I can't remember what it was called, but mm. a thing go through all the horses and they all passed, they all died. Um, Good heavens. 
the, the respiratory thing now all up and with um um with drips on them trying to keep the fluids up to them yeah i can't remember what happened those days but mm. i'd have to later and to learn more about it what went what what went on then but uh God, yeah what a, he, what a he, setback yeah well, i was a massive setback obviously mm. uh, no horses so i had to start fresh again when he moved to Ararat, so I moved there to with him, and um, was I've been in that area after that, but um, mm. it took me a while to get going. Back when I got here, I sort of rode a little bit for a trainer called Daryl Dodson. Yeah, as, um, he put me on pretty much everything, and still to this day, he loves using the apprentices. Oh, does he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we think Daryl Dodson trained your first metropolitan winner in South Australia at Oakbank. In yeah. 1994, a horse called Flicks Breeze. That's him. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a grand old track, that Oak Bank. It's very, very unique and picturesque. It's a lovely place to visit. Um, stopped the uh, jumping races there, which is a real shame. Mm. Um, and, and actually, uh, no jumps racing in South Australia, I think. I don't know why, but I think it might be something to do with safety. Mm. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a shame we'll... You know, a lot of Victorian jump jockeys had to go over there because there was like maybe two or three jump jockeys that were actually based in South Australia. So, mm. um, and you didn't have a lot of train like jumping trainers over there either. So, uh, I think maybe like John O'Connor Senior that was at Murray Bridge area was pretty much the only real jump trainer over that area. Mm. Yeah. By G, you travelled around a lot at that stage of your career trying to uh, get up and going. You went to Ararat, as you mentioned. You went to Lindsay Park for a while. Didn't you turn up at Border Town in South <laughs> Australia at one stage? Yeah, I was there. For, I was there actually there for 12 months. Um, Sam Turner rang me up when I was living in Ararat and said, oh, mm. I see you struggling for rides, so why don't you come up my way and mm. ride me and I'll you know, I'll do the right thing. If you ride work with me, I'll put you on race day. And uh, we had a bit of a partnership for a while. Uh, it was good while it lasted. Um, I just need another change after 12 months of time, you know. Mm. Like a gypsy, I need to move on. Mm. You've always credited the late Dallas Rintoul as being one of your most valued mentors. He was a horsham businessman. He was a great lover of racing. And he was a great fan of young Dean Yendels. Yeah, look, um, he was a, just an outstanding guy. Um, I think of him all the time when I go up to ride Mildura because that's uh, one of the places he loves to go. And, you know, mm. I was driving up there, three-hour drive, and used to, we used to jump in the car together. He used to do the race photography as well, so he loved doing that, something he really enjoyed. Mm. He used to do with photos and and then yeah do the bus run and he uh worked at the commercial motel hotel the pub there mm. uh back day there i was struggling i was actually living in the hotel so for 12 months and mm. until he sort of took me under his wing and helped me out and just steered me in the right directions to sort of get the career on again and get a bit more fire in the belly mm. you had a great mate uh, in craig robertson who was a jockey riding in the Western Districts at that time, you became very close mates and that yep. friendship endures to this day. Yeah, look, Robbo's a great friend of mine. Uh, he and Renee and his and little daughter Miller just recently moved up to the sunny coast. So, 
Uh, Alan, her father, he obviously used to work for Ken Sweeney's and when I was an apprentice, he was one of the foremans there. Uh, so I dare say they've gone up for the uh, sunny life and warmer weather and be close to the family. Look, he's been a great fellow to me. Obviously, uh, pulls me aside every now and then when he says something's not right. Um, I like to get everything over and done with quickly when I ride. Yeah. Patience always has been a great thing of mine. Um, you know, but when things start clicking in, I start to relax a bit more. Mm. Uh, but what, yeah, once the patience and that sort of thing starts to jello a little bit more in my brain, mm. knowing I'm the right horses, sometimes I get on the slow ones and try to make things just, just the impossible things that just the can't horses with that um, calibre just simply can't do as much as you'd like to mm. get them everything but um unfortunately just not it just doesn't happen so mm. he just pulls me aside and says look so just you know just slow down a bit it'll come just relax mm. so he's always been you know he's always been that doing that for me for, for many years and mm. you know, <laughs> it's a bit disappointing that he moved away so i've got no one no one to sort of pull me aside and give me a bit of a clip over the ear so to speak <laughs> you know there are several trainers uh, whose support made a huge difference to you. One of them was Paul Pruska, who saddled up the Melbourne Cup favourite a couple of years ago, Surprise Baby. There was Jamie Edwards, there was Bruce Elkington, there was Matt Williams, and a bloke called Darren Weir took a shine to you, didn't he? Yeah, um, Weir had been a great supporter of mine lately. Um, look, uh, back in, you know, 10-odd years ago, maybe 15, I started riding a little bit for um, Jamie and Bruce Elkington, sort of, you know, give me a bit of a go, and I rode for them for a couple of years and then sort of part of ways, just been, been so far away because I was in Geelong, a three-hour trip, trying to make ends meet, driving all the time down there and my track work. Just got a bit hard and a bit axing on the body, so... Um, then I started riding for Matthew Williams. He was at Warnable, so I was a little bit closer. And then, yeah, Weary started using me as well. Rode a lot of trials, started using me race day. Um, and ever since then, geez, we uh, made a good association. I rode a lot of winners for him. So I um, just can't wait till he comes back. Mm. Yankee Rose had won three from four at the end of her two-year-old season, including the Group 1 Sires Produce Stakes with Zach Purton on board. She was unplaced at her first two runs as a three-year-old and then came the spring champion stakes. She had the Phillies weight of 54.5, which wasn't exceedingly light. No. Did you get a shock when you got the call to come to Sydney? Well, it's sort of funny how it eventuated, Johnny, because young Jason Bembo, another jockey friend of mine, from Melbourne that was riding for Moody at the time, said, mm. you know, Yankee Roses apparently might be going to the Cox Plate. Surely they're 47 and a half kilos. Ears mm. pricked, I said, sounds a good idea. So mm. got on the blower and got, got into rim, David Van Dyke, to see whether he was needed a jockey if he was heading that way. And um, he'd never really heard of me before, um, David. So, you know, eventuated, I like, got the ride for her and, um, Blake Shin at the time was riding Philly and he got suspended and needed a rider for that race and said, be a great opportunity for me to, to get a feel for her. Mm. And I thought, 
a feel for in a, in a in another group one race is like he's uh really uh, uh what's the word like putting putting me on for a guy that doesn't even know me so he's taking a big chance in that and mm-hmm. i just re- i just reap reward straight away you know winning on it was just a big bonus um Gee, she won well. She really won well that day. I was just wrapped, you know. To have oh, outstanding. Dress. You must have had a few anxious moments, Dean, turning for yeah. home. There were still yeah. five or six in front of you coming up the rise and yeah. a fair way in front of you too. They were, yeah, she she just travelled She just traveled fairly in the run. Like she wasn't pulling or anything like that. So I thought, oh, geez, I only might be trouble here until I give her a bit of a squeeze and ask. Mm. For a little bit of an effort, and gee, she picked up the uh, revs up pretty quick, and mm. she did. She launched late, so uh, yeah, great thrilling ride, and it was even better to have Christine and Mia there on the day. Ah, wonderful! Wow, she was motoring on the line to beat Swear and Prized Icon, and you made a little bit of history. She was the first filly yeah. to ever win the Spring Champion. That's right. That's right. Correct there. Mm. You wouldn't expect to be winning your first Group 1 in Sydney, would you? No, 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 that was the weirdest part about it. Yeah, you'd think I'd be riding my first one in Melbourne or even like Adelaide because it's sort of more of a uh, more of a track that I was riding at the time. Um, but obviously they don't have a lot of Group 1 racing in Adelaide. So, hmm. well, yeah, just it was just strange that, yeah, my first one was in Sydney. But I didn't mind <laughs> no, no. Well, two weeks later, you rode Yankee Rose at 47.5 in the WS Cox Plate. You ran third, albeit a distant third to Winks, who was just unbeatable on the day. You'd actually ridden in the race two years earlier, Dean. You rode one Gina in the Cox Plate for Gay Waterhouse. That's right. That's right. Another three-year-old. Um, uh, just He just wasn't quite tough enough for that sort of race at the time but he did come out and win the guineas i think next start so mm. uh, guineas, uh it was the race at flemington anyway that he won i can't remember the actual race but uh mm. um yeah he came out and won that day oh, i think brett preble rode him actually yeah uh, but yeah just just the horses you know it's great to have that backup being lightweight and also you know to have the the good trainers, you know, look out to me uh, to the opportunity when they need a lot, you know, a good light rate that's going to be strong in the day. Mm. Well, Yankee Rose obviously had underlying issues when she failed badly in the Victorian Oaks with Blake Shin back on board. Then she went for a long spell. She had only one more run, and that was in the Memsey Stakes, and you got to have one more steer. Yeah, no, it was good to get it back on her that day. Um, I went out with a bit of confidence, thinking she'd run a nice race, but unfortunately, it wasn't to be. Uh, maybe she still had that underlying issues, but I never really eventually had to ask what was wrong with her that time. But um, mm. yeah, look, she went to went to Japan. She was sold as a broodmare over there for like over a million dollars. So that was good on you know on Derby Racing side of things for them. As a business, and recently they sold uh, her, one of her little progeny for like I think it's like three million US. So outstanding amount of money, uh, just crazy amount of dollars people spend on these days for a horse. But uh, he's hoping that it turns out to be a champion for him. 
Well, you'll certainly never forget Yankee Rose. You know, they say when you're hot, you're hot. It was only three weeks after the spring champion when Dean Yendel struck again in the Group 1 Maya Classic at Flemington on a lovely little race mare called I Am A Star for trainer Shane Nichols. You raced right on the speed that day, Dean, over the mile. Yeah, that's right, Johnny. We uh, sat outside the leader, used the uh, lightweight to our advantage. She just began so well. She just done everything everything I asked her to do, to do and just done it so easily too with that nice little lightweight advantage. So, look, she'd been a great little filly and great mare. Uh, you know, she turned out and won a few more races afterwards as well. So I was, and got to ride her again, so which was really good. Mm. You know, Shane been a great supporter of mine and I still ride for him to this day. Mm. You rode her four more times, in fact. Uh, you won the Group 2 CUNY Stakes. You won the Group 2 Sunline at Mooney Valley. You rode her in the Doncaster in Sydney, finishing That's out of right. a place. Yeah, it's too wet that day. Mm. Then you ran third in a Group 1 at Morfordville on I Am A Star. That's right. That was in the uh, Sangster, I reckon. It was. Yep. Yep. Mm. She'd been a great mare for them. Well, she was one of the bargains of her generation. She was a $40,000 yearling at an English classic sale, and she won $1.5 million. You dream of them. <laughs> great, great effort. In <laughs> if well, only they like that. Here's one you can dine out on. You had <laughs> two rides on the great sprinter Santa Anna Lane. You won the uh, 2017 Group 1 Rupert Clark for Anthony Friedman. And uh, was he a push-button ride, Dean? Uh, he seemed to be, at well, that race, he seemed to be a bit of a push-button horse, but um, he was a bit quirky on the, on the uh, training track, though. Was he? You rode him one more time in Perth. You yep. finished just out of a place, didn't you, in a winter bottom? I stuck wide, but he just – he wasn't quite the horse that he had been. Um, probably just come to his end of his prep, and then he come back in and won everything after that. Mm. We'll just pause for a moment while we clear a commitment on the podcast, and we'll come back right. with Dean Yendel after this. The Tab Highway Races, introduced in 2015, have been a runaway winner for racing New South Wales and country participants. Every bit as popular are the Midways, introduced as recently as July 2021 and already a primary focus of the smaller metropolitan and provincial stables. How fitting it was that the very first Midway winner, our Bellagio Miss, was trained by Greg Hickman, who'd been a very enthusiastic advocate of the concept. Even the inaugural Four Pillars run on October 30th last year was run under midway conditions and won impressively by the Tracy Bartley train Kiss Sum. The midways have been a natural progression from the highly popular highways, which have been a regular feature on Saturday Metropolitan programs for six years. The highways have created tremendous interest with country owners who are constantly on the lookout for the right horse. Bush trainers have something to aim for with progressive horses and the punters find the Tab Highways great betting mediums. The highways 
and the Midways, now worth $100,000, are a major part of the new look of New South Wales racing. My special guest is top-class lightweight jockey Dean Yendel, currently on the sidelines nursing injuries after a spill at Tarang just before Christmas. Anthony Friedman gave you another good ride around the same time on a very good mare called Shoals, and you got the job done in the <laughs> Group 1 Meyer Classic. So two Myers in 12 months. Yep, that's right. Uh, yeah, one, two in a row. So, And pretty much rode her exactly the same as I rode I'm a star. Um, mm. Drew the whitish barrier, no weight, sat outside the leader and <laughs> just kicked away in the straight. Um and then and she's another one that's come out and won a, a few more good races after that. Uh, mm. you know, um, they don't have to put me back on, but it would have been nice to get back on. But um, <laughs> something might have happened. They might have, I might have had another ride and couldn't ride her or something like that, or I might have been out at the time. But um, mm. if she won a, I think she won the Sankster in Adelaide as well. Yeah, she did, and, I, and a surround stakes, I think, at Randwick. Yeah, that's right. Ah, uh, top mare, Shulls. You had to wait a while for your next group one, but it was worth the wait. It was the time-honoured Oakley Plate on Booker for Ellerton and Zara in 2019. She came from further back than most Oakley Plate winners come from. Yeah, but actually I remember that race quite well. She just she drew in the middle and just landed a nice, beautiful spot midfield, but they really, really ran a lot. Crack tempo as they do for those sort of races. But um, just had this suck run through and was just able to follow the right horses and come the outside of them um, and just finish over the top. And she actually won really well on a day, but um, she never come back after that. She was I rode up in the new market and just totally different mare. Um, I just think she, she just run her gut. You know, she run out of her guts that day when I won her in the Oakley Plate, and I think she left everything everything behind after that race. Paid the penalty. Yeah. Mm. Well, Group 1, number 6, came on scales of justice for Lindsay Smith. You'd won the Group 3 bletchingly on this horse, followed by a third in uh, a feature race at Morfordville. Yeah. And then up you bobbed in the Memsey Stakes, Group 1. Yeah, I rode him first up, Jeezy won easy. Uh, everyone expected him just to can around it um, in Adelaide in the spring stakes. But actually ran into a nice three-year-old that day in Dallas, and I think it was. Mm. Um, you know, it was he just wasn't – it was second-up syndrome, we thought. But, um, yeah, obviously he come out and won a group one the next start so uh, and run one really – one really easily sort of thing so and then come out and won a few more and been a great horse and then uh yeah unfortunately he went and miss down the beach one day and he passed away had a heart attack so mm. uh, which was a real shame because he, he would have been a nice horse to for someone just to look out in the paddock you got to win a group two on him the following year too the australia yeah. stakes which yeah. used to be a group one yep Yep, that, that was at um, Moody Valley. Uh, I mean, really good win. Your super lightweight has gained you a few Melbourne Cup rides. Your closest finish was eighth on Niwok 
in 2011. Yep. You rode him a few times, this horse. In fact, yep. you won an Andrew Ramsden on him in the autumn. You won the Lexus on him on Derby Day, and yep. then you rode him in the Cup won yep. by Duna Den. And, Dean, you were less than four lengths from the winner, and you gave him a good ride. Yeah, geez, he ran out of his skin that day. And, uh, like, he won the Ramsden easily by, like, five lengths. And then uh, I think uh, even the Lexus he won easily that day. Mm. But uh, the big arcs for off the run, on, run that race and then back up three days later. So, um, you know, he, he just yeah, he just had the best run. He ran out of his skin. And to finish where he did, you know, I was, I was really wrapped. And obviously the owners were too and Hawks boys. So, um, and then he actually another one that, that come out and won a nice race afterwards. Uh, he went one went on won the Sydney Cup with Dunny on him, so mm. he'd been yeah, he'd been a good old horse to to the connections as well. Mm. You were looking at two very famous rumps uh, when you hit the line in that Melbourne Cup. That was the day Duna Den beat another remarkable veteran in Red Cadeau. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was the um. Yeah, uh, international day. So, um, yeah, the international horses were dominant that day and we don't see a lot of internationals at the moment, obviously COVID, but uh, mm. hopefully hopefully we'll see in the next near future a few more internationals coming over. Mm. You must start putting your hand up fairly early in the spring, do you? You just remind people that you can yeah. ride at such a lightweight with the Melbourne Cup coming up. Yeah, I do, I do. Uh, sort of person, but obviously my manager Ron Cavanagh sends out messages to just to keep trainers in the loop that uh, I'm still keen to help out if they need a light, natural lightweight. Mm. Now we're going to pay a special tribute to your wife and the mother of your <laughs> darling daughter. Christine Pools has been a jockey for a long time now and yep. continues to enjoy her riding. Now, did I read somewhere the other day that uh, you met when both riding in the Wimmera? And did I also read that she didn't like you at first? <laughs> <laughs> True? Uh, yeah, yeah, false fact. False fact is. <laughs> How can uh, that be? So she says, so she says, yes. Well, you obviously resorted to a strategy of charm and finesse. You wore her down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, eventually uh, nagged her enough, she had to relent. <laughs> <laughs> You've competed against one another many times at the races, and yeah. wasn't there a dead heat on one occasion yeah. at Mildura? Yeah. There was, yep. Yeah. There was, John, up at Mildura. Actually, I think I rode... One of Neil Dyer's and Christine might have been, oh, I can't remember who she rode. It was either Alan Burns's or, mm. or was it Paul Prushka's? I can't remember. But, um, yeah, it was uh, something very different. I don't think you'll see it. Yeah, I don't think you'll see it, uh, another one happen any time soon. Mm. They couldn't split them. No, couldn't split them. Uh, and then... <laughs> There's actually, if you try and watch, there's a uh, post-race interview with um, Kevin Casey, actually, mm. uh, on racing.com, and I get shoved out of the way. <laughs> he can get, so she get to him for a bit of a chat. <laughs> <laughs> Christine has won a few nice races during her career, 
But her greatest moment came in 2005 when she stormed home to win the Group 3 Hobart Cup on a bolter called Our Dashing Dane. A cup's a cup anywhere, anytime. Exactly right. Cup's a cup. She still talk about it? No, not to these days. She um, more talks about not getting rides and getting used and doing <laughs> And not get anywhere with it. Uh, <laughs> the jockey's lament. Jockey's life. She's waiting for her next group three or group two, even. Yeah. Hopefully, maybe a group one one day. You never know. She riding work locally every day. Yeah, she rides out for um, Paul Prushka mainly, probably three to four days a week, and then she tries to help out the McKnights, which are over at Malden, um, down the Dalesford, Dalesford Ballarat area. So. Or quite an area more more so, but he takes his horses to gallop to Ballarat. So I think she's actually got to go there Monday to ride a bit of work. So it'll be an early start for her to leave, get down to Ballarat, and probably six o'clock start, I reckon. Mm. Christine was paid a massive tribute by the Victorian racing industry in 2019 when she became the 24th recipient of the Wakeful Club. Lady of Racing Award, given to outstanding female contributors. Yeah. She got that award not only for her dedication to her riding career, but for her ongoing support of young female jockeys coming through the ranks. Yeah. Uh, She loves doing that, John. She likes talking to the young girls and not so much the girls, but even the young boy apprentices to try and help them out. Even though just walking tracks with them, helping with their gear, trying to help them out mentally, tell them it's not too bad, don't listen to some people, just all that sort of stuff where it can be overwhelming and a lot of kids these days let things get to them. She just tries to give them a calming feel uh, and, and a pull through if they need one as well. So um, she's great in that respect and, look, she loves doing it. I don't think you'll ever see her not doing it. You tell me she's still enjoying her race riding and the word retirement is never mentioned at your place. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Uh, she loves what she does. Um, she loves the horses. Um, and I keep saying to her, why do you go out there, get, get beat up to, to get nowhere? But I love doing it. Uh, what do I do, John? What do I do? I've got to let her do it. <laughs> mm. Mm. Well, I've got no doubt you'll come back to your former levels of enthusiasm and to your unshakable work ethic and to the job you've loved for all these years. And there's a lot of trainers out there, Dean, counting the days to your return. Well, let's let's hope so, and I hope I do get back. Um, we'll see what happens after I get my next scan there next week and, and see what all the ligament damage is doing, so... You know, he's hoping that everything comes comes out smoothly and I can sort of get back into it at some stage. 2,606 winners. You must pinch yourself sometimes when you think about that. Yeah, I, actually, I sometimes I I look at the stats and I'm thinking, hmm, 20, 20 years ago, I would have never thought I would have been doing that. Mm. Just goes to show you that your work ethic, Dean, the miles you've travelled, you, you'll jump on anything for anybody, anywhere. Yep, yep, I don't mind travelling. Um, 
but these days, um, uh, yeah, I try and write as much as I can, whatever, whatever and whenever, but I'm sort of cut back to the whatever part more so these days, just to be a little bit more selective in what I take, but, um, you know, try and take the better ones first, but um, if you need to get on a lower, lesser grade horse to try and help out what's going on, who knows? You can always, what do you guys say? You can turn mud into water. But <laughs> no, I'm not going to keep repeat that. But anyway, mm. uh, we can go from chocolate to board lollies quite quickly anyway. Yeah. You love being a jockey, don't you? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And a very all. good one. I tell you, mate, when you're riding over 2,500 winners, uh, it's an absolute tribute uh, to uh, the work uh, that you've been prepared to put in over a long period of years. And it's great to catch up, Dean. I'm a fan. And uh, thank you so much for being with us on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Thanks, Johnny. Much appreciated, buddy. The catalogue for the 2022 English Classic Yearling Sale is now available. A total of 810 yearlings have been finalised for the sale, 600 in Book 1, 150 in the Highway Session, all to be offered at Riverside between February 6 and 8. 700 of the entries are Bob's eligible and there are Vobus, West Speed and QTIS yearlings also on offer. There's an enormous range of proven stallions represented as well as first crop yearlings by exciting newcomers like Justify, The Autumn Sun and Trapeze Artist. The classic sale has seen unprecedented growth in recent years with 10 individual Group 1 winners since 2018. Eight of those have been purchased for $100,000 or less, while 14 graduates have won a million dollars or more in the same period. The classic sale gets the English show on the road for 2022 on February 6, 7 and 8 at Riverside. And the catalogue is out now.